So uh, let's Tommy go. Curran, save me. Let's go out to the phones. Thank you. Tommy Curran will save us. He's uh, on the Harbor One hotline, and he's brought to you by Unified Office. They'll make sure you never lose any business again due to poor customer phone experience. You can find your solution, unifiedoffice.com. Tommy Curran, how are we doing this week? I am on top of the world. How are my friends? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing well. We, uh, we've we been talking some Celtics today. We've gotten in to some Patriots. I and Mego, I believe, have not had an opportunity to talk to you yet about Bill Belichick and his new quote-unquote lucrative contract. I know you talked to Arkan over the weekend. I'm curious, and, and I know you've been very definitive. You think the, the contract is up, best you can tell, at the end of 2024. Um, have there been any job responsibility changes for Bill Belichick or any alterations to his power within the organization? Not that I'm aware of, and I would doubt that there would be. I think they're going to ride the way they have. And, you know, I think what was interesting was the hiring of Bill O'Brien was definitely a Robert Kraft operation. The season ticket holder email that went out and the fact that they were announcing that they were in the midst of negotiations with Gerard Mayo as well, that felt as if those two acts, and add in Mayo and it's three, um, were significant to me in terms of, hey, I'm not just going to stand here and let you do what you want to do personnel-wise. But I don't think it means that they're taking away responsibilities from Bill in any kind of definitive way. But it is interesting to to understand that the Bill O'Brien hire was very much initiated by Kraft in terms of, no, we're, we're going to hire an offensive coordinator, not frickin' frack again. So, and what's interesting to me about the contract in general is Ian was very adamant about using the word new, not extension, new contract. So coupling that with the fact that it's multi-year and my reporting that it will expire in 2024 is that I wonder, and I'm beginning to think the Bills contract expired after last year, and it's a two-year deal that takes them to the end. So some of that, too, might embolden or have emboldened Robert Kraft to make those moves that he did or the way that he approached the end of the season immediately after the season ended. Tom, looking at the wide receivers that they rolled out there last week, largely Kendrick Bourne, DeMario Douglas got more snaps than other than ever this season, uh, Jalen Rager out there for some snaps. At what point do you see, or is it even possible to see the coaching staff looking at their personnel and saying, this is something we're going to roll with, even though we're paying the big bucks to Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster? Yeah, that's something the Patriots, Mego, were always lauded for was their ability to, to look at a situation and say, look, Duke Dawson's not working out or Jordan Richards can't play. Moving on from players who they invested in at different times will go all the way back to Donald friggin' Hayes in 2002, who they signed as a wide receiver and he couldn't find his ass with both hands. So as a result, he didn't play. So can the Patriots do that again? I think they certainly have enough Intel on Devontae Parker now to understand that all the analytics were correct. He doesn't get open. He's not a friend to Mac Jones at this point as a player. Might be great friends. I don't know. Juju, I could see it going further. Arcad, you're being proven right as the season goes along. Thank you, Tom. Be that as it may. <clears throat> be that I still I still would imagine they'll need more intel on that. But it should not come at the expense of a guy who, when he is out there, does deliver. So you have a guy with however many years of experience that Juju Smith-Schuster has, and you give him the ball, 
and he either drops it or he doesn't do much with it when he catches it. And you have another guy who just showed up who, when you put the ball in his hands, he runs for 20 or he makes a difficult catch on the goal line to put him in a great situation or another one inside the five. So to me, I hate to, no, I don't hate to. Why would I hate? I hate to break it to Juju, but he's getting beaten out as we as we speak right now. And I hope the Patriots would be of a mind to say, we're going to do it the way we we allegedly have always done it, which is to play the best players. Do you think it has to be an either-or situation with Juju Smith-Schuster and Demario Douglas? Yeah, we had Mike Cadwick on the Patriots Talk podcast oh. today. And he said, you know, you can, you can throw him out at the X. Someone you must have canceled the X. They've seen... Yeah, so I mean, you can go. What did he say? He said someone must have canceled. Our kids being very nasty and jealous. No, (laughs) no, but it was funny because when I did use voice text to tell um, my producer John Skullcrusher Henry who was coming on, it turned out cat lick, (laughs) and I left it. I just. Um, But Juju can play the X. Juju should have the ability to play in different spots. He's not a little fella. So he should be able to play in different spots. Patriots like their ex to be fast. I think Rager is probably faster than Devontae Parker at this point. But they should be able to interchange their veteran players and have them play in different spots. Tom, we talked to uh, Dan Orlovsky yesterday, and he let it slip that him and Mac Jones text each other about, uh, well, Mac's footwork and maybe some other things there. Is there a, uh, I don't know, still sort of a sense around the team that Mac may be talking to outside people, and is that still sort of a a third-rail topic over there? I would hope that that's way down the list of who's popping into his phone in terms of what's going on. I get what you're saying because of the firestorm created by allegedly speaking to Alabama or coaches who had more intel on the Patriots offense as they were trying to design it last year. But if they're getting uptight about Dan Orlovsky texting about something, they have way better things to worry about at two and five with a couple of beatdowns in their rear view. So, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I can't. I can't imagine that that would register very high on their list of priorities this week. And if if it does, shame on them. Well, I mean, last year the offense was in some serious trouble too, and they got very sensitive about Mac making calls and doing all that stuff that you mentioned as well. I guess is that you, you don't consider those two things similar. I guess it depends on which way the outreach went. If it's hey Dan, how's my footwork look? These guys don't know what they're looking at. Then I think it's a problem. I would doubt that it was that. If it's, hey, Joe Schmo at Alabama, these guys don't know how to run this offense. Is there anything you can do to help me to unlock things here? Because we've hit hit a wall. That's different. Yeah, the, the only reason I find it interesting, I just, if if Bill knows that Orlovsky talks to Mac and then uh, Orlovsky's on there ripping the situation every week, I, I wonder if Bill's thrilled about it. But it is different than, than reaching out to Alabama. I agree with that. Um, on Bill Belichick, what do you think is more likely, Tom? Bill would kick upstairs in some sort of like emeritus role, some sort of senior advisor role, or he'll coach somewhere else, you know, somewhere like the Washington or another team you suggested in the past. What's more likely out of those two scenarios? I would have said the former. I would have said kick upstairs would have been a more likely scenario previously, but I didn't think that Bill was on his way to falling woefully short by the end of 2024 of Don Shula either. So, Given the direction of the team right now, given the angst, I think that ownership feels toward an anger towards the way the team has played and the decisions made. 
I don't think that either side would necessarily want to continue the relationship unless wins yield a different mood. Even though they're two and five, you know, say they get to eight and nine, and it looks good. I just think that probably a clean break to me seems more likely, but it is worth noting that in Jeff Benedict's book, Dynasty, Bill Belichick had talked in the past about that kind of Parcellsian role that Parcells took over with uh, Miami, where he was an overlord. But I'm not sure what Bill would want to do. I really am not. But it's a good question because I, I do think that when Bill leaves the sidelines, he leaves the team. You were one of many people at the beginning of the year who were drawing a comparison between Mac Jones and Tua. And now looking at the way that their seasons have gone, do you still feel like there is a close comparison between those two quarterbacks or has your assessment of their skills changed? One billion percent. I still feel the same way. Two is more accurate than I gave him credit for being, but he's still not buttonhole accurate the way I think people like to intimate that he is. Look at the two games, the common games that the Patriots and the Dolphins had played. They both played Buffalo. They both played the Eagles. Mack, with a worse offensive line and worse receivers, produced miles better than Tua did. And I wish I had the numbers in front of me right now. But Tua did not play well in either of those games. Mack actually outplayed him in those games. Again, different days and all that stuff. But to me, it's who you're surrounded by, how much protection you're getting. Both of them are quarterbacks who need unbelievable levels of protection to be successful. And as a result, when one guy's not getting it, which is Mac, he's going to look subpar. And when Tua didn't get it in his first two years in the league, he was subpar. God bless him that he was such a good leader and such a good soldier that on a lot of those days he was happy to take, you know, the 21 for 28 day for 192 yards and get out of there with a win. He's 5-0 and against the Patriots because he's a smart player and he's efficient in the red zone and he's taking care of the ball against the Patriots when he's played against them. But to me, they are they will continue to be virtually the same kind of player. Um, and I think that'll bear out, guaranteed, over the length of their careers. Tom, before we let you go here, if the Patriots beat the Dolphins this weekend, I know they'll be 3-5, and five, but what will they really be? 3-1 and one in the division, bro. Whoa! <laughs> yeah, they'll be, uh, they'll be in a good spot. They'll be in a really good spot. The winds, are, five, the winds are everywhere, beaten. Tom. The winds are everywhere. The winds are everywhere. And I don't, I don't back off that. I mean, although I didn't see the wind against Buffalo being everywhere. So that, that opens up, you know, what I'm wondering about is, am I overstating because I thought it was going to be a good team how much or how sustainable last week's win can be? Because I do, Christian, think that you've got the, the lion's share of games against the Dolphins and the Eagles where they Definitely played competent football. The Jets game for 34 minutes, they played competently. (laughs) And then last week they played 60 minutes, well, 58 minutes of competency. So to me, it's there. They tapped into it last week. I do think that there's momentum in preparation. The momentum may go away by the end of the first quarter. But I do think that it, it means something to have secured that win, and it would mean an unbelievable amount to go to Miami in the heat, in a hostile stadium, and they are kind of loud down there these days, and walk out of there with a win. That would be, would that be more surprising to you guys than beating Buffalo? Yes. Yes. Definitely. 
All right, then. <laughs> clean <laughs> clean sweep. Clean sweep across the board. Especially, too, think about this, especially if Miami is actually on alert that this might be a capable team. Like, Buffalo probably walked out there and said, they're barely breathing. Let's just take care of business. No, I, I, I'd agree with that. Up. Buffalo is spiraling a little. Yeah, and it, right. Giants Buffalo, Buffalo looks a little more vulnerable. Pats were at home versus on the road. So, yes, I think, uh, I think that would be the case. Uh, he is Tom E. Curran. You can check him out every week here on Jones and Mego with Arkan. You can hear him on WEEI on the weekend. Uh, you can see him on NBC Sports Boston. Check out the latest Patriots Talk podcast with Mike Catlick, uh, Curran, <laughs> and it. Phil Perry. Thank you so much, Tom. We appreciate it. Thanks, Tom. All right, guys. Take care. All right, Tommy Curran, as all our guests, joins us on the Harbor One Hotline.